0: They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. Hi, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. You know, it's a bright sunny day outside, but it is cold here in southern Idaho. And as I looked out at the Snake River this morning, it's running a little low because every year they hold back some in the dams to be ready for next year's irrigation season. So today, I'm going to tell you about a guy that I have never heard of before, and I'm going to guess most of you haven't either. His name is John Christopher Columbus Hill. All right. So if any of you have heard about him, let me know. Now, there's really no more unusual story has come out of Texas's long and bitter struggle for independence than that of John Christopher Columbus Hill. The account of a boy's bravery in the face of almost certain death is all the more remarkable because this is a true story. So picture this. He's only 13 years old when he first took up his rifle to face Mexico's army. Hill went on to graduate with a doctorate from one of Mexico's most prestigious colleges as the adopted son of Texas's worst enemy, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. So let's get on with the story. Now, universally seen by Texans as the butcher of Goliad and the Alamo, Santa Ana in 1842 made his bid to reclaim Texas for Mexico. Now, the ink had dried on the treaty uh, guaranteeing Texas independence actually six years earlier. But just a year after declaring himself dictator, Santa Ana set out to reestablish Mexican territory. Now, in response to the Mexican occupation of San Antonio and the seizure of Laredo, President of the Republic of Texas, Sam Houston, sent out a force of 700 volunteers, including two Texas Ranger companies. Now, joining the Rangers was a guy by the name of Asa Hill and two of his sons. One son was named Jeffrey and 13-year-old John. Now, the Hill family had moved to Texas from Georgia in 1835, the year John turned seven. So young and small, he wasn't a very big boy. John had insisted on enlisting in the expedition. He carried the prized rifle that his brother James had used at the Battle of San Jacinto while fighting alongside his father. Now, Brother, John, uh, to, or brother uh, uh, James said to John, With this rifle, it is not to be surrendered. And he handed the rifle over to his little brother, John, and said, Whatever you do, don't let this gun be surrendered. Well, as John rode away from the family cabin for what would prove to be the last time for many years, this teenage boy could not have predicted the extraordinary course his life would follow. Now, after recapturing Laredo and Guerrero, the Texans moved on toward the town of Mir. 75 miles on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande. By this time, nearly 400 of their number had left the expedition, including most of the Texas Rangers. Well, ignoring reports of a large Mexican force under General Pedro de Amputia, the 261 Texans, including Asa Hill and his two sons, attacked Mir on Christmas Day, 1842. Well, the Mexicans uh, numbered an overwhelming 2,340 soldiers. Now, an officer assigned John and a handful of other boys to a position overlooking a Mexican artillery battle battery. Well, with orders to kill as many members of the gun crews as possible, and this they accomplished with pretty good efficiency, uh, killing some 50 soldiers. So there must have been some other young boys in this group as well. Now, despite their short-term successes, the hopelessly outnumbered Texans were forced to surrender. They had reportedly killed more than 400 enemy soldiers and in the process suffered only 10 dead and 23 wounded, which included John's brother, Jeffrey. Well, when the prisoners were ordered to turn over their weapons, John remembered his promise to his brother, He said, quote, I saw some curbstones close by, which gave me an opportunity to break my rifle and throw it away. Well, he was brought before General Ampudia to explain his actions. So picture this. He's haggard. He's ragged. He's tired, frustrated, filthy. And John just figured he was going to be shot because he was a he was a prisoner. Well, General Ampudia, who had lost an adopted son in the battle, was surprised at his prisoner's young uh, youth. So John later recalled their exchange. Now, here's this elegantly attired general. And he said to John, he said, quote, you are very young to be a soldier. Have the Texans so few men that they must send their little ones into battle? Well, John replied, I am no little one. Uh, he just recently turned 14 years old. Well, asked as to why he had shattered his rifle, John replied that his brother had entrusted it to him on the condition that he never surrender it. And he said, I have kept my promise. Now, asked if he had no father, John informed the general that both his father and wounded brother stood in the plaza among the captives. Well, Amputio thought that the boy should be at home with his mother, to which John responded, quote, Sir, I came to take care of my father and Jeffrey, and today I have killed twelve of your men. Well, the general closely questioned John about the number of men he claimed to have killed. John answered, quote, Well, it may have been fifteen that have picked off, but I'm not sure of uh, maybe, but for sure, maybe twelve. And he explained that he'd been taught to uh, shoot at an early age and that every one of us uh, learned how to use a gun, both for hunting and for protection against Indians, animals, outlaws, whatever. Well, after verifying John's claims, Amputia had him bathed, fed, provided with clean clothes. John then delivered food to his father and his injured brother. Well, seeing him in his new clothes, one of the other prisoners uh, said, uh, quote, you seem to have fallen on your feet, young man. I mean, look at him. Here he is fed, nice, clean clothes, everything. Now, while some of the Texans resented the youth's good fortune, his father and brother were greatly relieved to see him out of harm's way. Well, John was sent under guard to Mexico City, but before they parted, General Ampudia wrote the boy an introduction to Santa Anna, gave him a fine horse and a rig. Ampudia ordered his men to deliver the boy directly to Santa Anna upon arrival in the capital. Well, when they got there, Santa Anna was sick, however, and John was temporarily uh, lodged in a fancy palace of the Archbishop to wait for Santa Anna to get better. Meanwhile, the remaining 243 prisoners were forced marched through the harsh Chihuahuan desert toward Mexico City, and Salado, 181 of them, briefly escaped. All but five were recaptured. Well, Santa Ana heard of this, and he ordered the death for all of those who had attempted to flee. He then reconsidered and softened the sentence by decreeing that only one in ten should die. Well, what followed was the famous episode known to history as the, quote, Black Bean Lottery. On March 25th, each of the 176 escapees drew a bean from a clay pot. A white bean meant life, while those who drew the 17 black beans were going to be shot. Well, Asa Hill, John's father, drew a white bean. Now, after the executions, the survivors were then marched the rest of the way to Mexico City and confined in Perote Prison. Jeffrey, who had not participated in the escape attempt, was too badly wounded to march and did not arrive in the capital until May, along with the other wounded Texans. Well, waiting to meet the dictator, John roamed the city as a free boy. He just wandered around to look at the shops and the people. And finally, he was received by Santa Ana. And he says this about him. He says, he was a rather handsome man, uh, not tall, being only five feet uh, inches in height. One would hardly take him for a dictator or a tyrant. Well, the dictator could be compassionate as much as he was cruel, depending on his mood and circumstances. And, of course, at this time, John had no idea which Santa Anna he was going to be meeting. Fortunately for John, Santa Anna had read Ampudia's report, and he made uh, short work of the interview, and he said, uh, quote, now we will settle about Young Hill. I want to adopt this boy and make him a soldier. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Well, without thinking, John replied, quote, you're excellent, Lucy. I can't be your son. I have a good father, and I can't be a soldier in your country because I am a Texan. Now, can you imagine this boy standing up to the famous Santa Ana and momentarily taken aback? The dictator let his anger cool before commenting, turning to his generals. He smiled and said, "Ah, our prisoner dictates his terms. Well, after talking with his officers, Santa Ana determined on something different. John would be sent to the. And you know my Spanish isn't very good, folks. The Collegio de Mineria, which means College of Mines. Well, John asked to speak with his father before responding to the offer. Asa, his father, was in prison, and considering John's bleak, uh, prospects for advancement back home. Uh, he saw Santa Ana's proposal as a brilliant opportunity for his young son. And for his part, John actually leveraged his position into requesting the release of his father and brother. Well, again, what a brave kid. Santa Ana complied. Asa and Jeffrey were released. They were provided with money and directed homeward. The boy then accepted the adoption proposal on the condition that he never be required to renounce his country nor assume Mexican citizenship. Sent to live in the home of General Jose Maria Tornell, Santa Ana's Ministry of War, John was treated with parental kindness and, as he said, equality within his family. Santa Ana named Tornell president of the college that John was going to be attending. Well, the boy's life became a whirlwind of activity, divided among classes, life at the Tornell home, and visits and travels with Santa Ana and his wife. Now, John's path, however, was not always an easy one. John's loyalties were markedly strained during the Mexican-American War. And he said this. He said, that conflict was especially trying for me. He understood the cause of his Mexican friends, some of whom died in the fighting, but he also felt a strong loyalty to the United States. One of the friends he made during the war was a young quartermaster named Ulysses S. Grant. Well, John graduated in 1850 with a doctorate in engineering and a degree in mining. He visited his family five years later to ask his mother's consent to marry by this time, his dad, Asa, had died, and John's mother had remarried. So this scrawny volunteer who left home 13 years before at the age of 13 had grown into a fine-looking young man uh, whom some might look at as uh, modest and gentlemanly in his manner and of irreproachable moral character. Now, you've got to know that probably at this time he uh, could speak Spanish fluently as well, of course, English. Well, maturing into one of Mexico's foremost engineers, John designed a number of the country's railroads and mining operations. He helped negotiate the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. He held lofty positions in railroad and mining firms on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border. And in the course of time, he built up a pretty good personal fortune. Well, John married the daughter of a Spanish general in 1855, and they had four children. After her death, 36 years later, he married the daughter of an English immigrant. John died at the age of 75 while visiting his daughter in Monterrey uh, in Mexico, and his body is buried in the city's Pantheon Municipal Cemetery. Now, folks, he never forgot his Texas roots, neither did the Lone Star State, which made him an honorary life member of the Texas State Historical Association in 1897. So that's the story of John Christopher Columbus Hill. Now, um, Over time, some of the prisoners that managed to escape uh, from that mere prison uh, when they were captured, uh, several died of uh, wounds, disease, and starvation. But Santa Ana ultimately bowed to pressure from President John Tyler and released the remaining 107 captives. And in the end, uh, the only uh, Texan to benefit from this whole thing was, uh, uh, his Spanish name would be Juan Cristobal Calon Hill or John Christopher Columbus Hill. So that's the story of a young man that uh, made good uh, in the Old West and dealing with one of the tyrants and dictators of the Old West. So, folks, I hope you enjoyed that story, and we will see you next week. Thank you